0: welcome to let's pod this my name is andy moore thank you so much for joining us this week we are coming to you live from the democracy den our new podcast studio very excited joining me is my uh, co-host dr scott Nelson. hello sir what's up, dude hey how are you yeah i'm doing all right it's uh end of a end of a long spring break week I was I was not on Honestly, spring break. Did you get spring break? No, I didn't get spring break. <laughs> no, uh, although the legislature was on spring break this yeah, of week, they and so were. it was a little bit quieter for the most part yeah. in Oklahoma than it is usually. It's harder for them to destroy democracy when they're not there. That's right. They took a break to spend time with the kids.
1: Which is Man, not, I'm feeling. Spicy today. Feeling spicy today?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's been a long week. Well, uh, we also have a guest in studio. Joining us this week is Adam Sultani from CARE, Oklahoma. Hello, Adam. Hey, thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. Um, we uh, This week was Muslim Day at the Capitol. Those of you listeners who follow us on social media may have seen pictures um, that we posted on Monday. This was the ninth annual Muslim Day at the Capitol, and we'll talk more about that in a couple of minutes, uh, but Adam, for our listeners who may not already know you, although I would argue your rep- reputation precedes you, um, some good presence on uh, on social media. Um, yeah. But tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved with care.
2: Sure, sure. So. Um how did I get involved with CARE? First of all, CARE, C A I R, Council on American Islamic Relations. Yeah. I've been the director for more than a decade now, although it seems like, you know, sometimes it was just yesterday. And there's so much work still to be done in Oklahoma, not just at the legislator, just even from a social standpoint, from the standpoint of civil rights advocacy and education that I feel like I've just started, you know? Yeah. So it's kind of this weird feeling. Um, how I got started was actually in 2006. I was a college student. And this lady named Lubna, she had moved from California. She had worked for CARE in Los Angeles, and she was trying to start a CARE chapter in Oklahoma, and she recruited me. I'm like, why me? I mean, I didn't I feel like I was really qualified to be on a board of directors of a nonprofit. I didn't know anything about it. So, well, look, we need a young representative that can connect with the youth, the college students, and try to get people more involved. It's like – Okay, you know, because I just wanted to always try to do good things. So I got involved with that. I was a founding member of the board from 2006 to 2000, 2008. Really got to know what care was all about on a national and local level. And Council on American Islamic Relations is the largest. Grassroots American Muslim advocacy organization in the entire country. We have more than thirty chapters nationwide, and Oklahoma's has been around for sixteen years. So when I joined, we didn't have any money. We just had this volunteer ragtag group of board of directors, and we got people on, you know, involved with like the email list, you know, uh, coming to events, you know, town halls and things of that nature after about a year and a couple of months uh, we had a fundraiser we raised about a hundred thousand dollars which was enough money to open an office hire a director and the rest is history you know I'm, <laughs> I'm the third executive director in the line of, of Directors at Care Oklahoma, and I've been around since 2012.
1: Wow! You said you had a fundraiser and you raised 100 thousand dollars.
2: Yes. Can you tell us how? Uh, actually, that's that's would uh, you would uh, you would you
1: plan our next fundraiser?
2: Well, you know, that's on the low side. I mean, we we uh, before COVID, we were topping 200 thousand dollars at just a single event, which was our annual banquet. But things have changed. So to answer your question, not anymore. I used to know. Now now it's changed, and we're learning how to do things in a. Post- Pandemic world where it's more, you know, finding people that are willing to come in, like with those lower amounts, but on a regular basis, sure. engaging people via social media. Sure. And really, you have to sell your work, you know, even though it's all meaningful work. We have so many amazing organizations in the state. You have to really sell your work because you're competing not only with other things, but you're competing with inflation. So I, it's really tough, but that's how I got involved with Care Oklahoma. How did I apply for the position of director? I had no intention of doing it. You know, I stayed on as a volunteer after I left the board of directors. I built the first website for Carol Cloma completely just as a volunteer. Did that for fun, uh, for fun when I was in college, you know, in quotes. Um, I volunteered at the various events and things of that nature. In 2012, the position came open and I had no intention of applying. But a friend of mine called me convinced me I should apply for it. I consulted with my wife and some close friends. They agreed, so I applied. I really, I didn't believe in myself at the time, so I had no high hopes. I got offered the position. And if you go back and you look at the news, you know, search Care Oklahoma from 2012 to... The end of 2013, it was just chaos. One thing after another. A lot of major civil rights cases. A lot of uh, anti-Muslim discrimination. And of course, we have uh, John Bennett. And on February 14th, 2013, Valentine's Day of all days, ironically, former legislator now um, that that announced the formation of the Counterterrorism Caucus in 2013. And that's what really got us involved in government affairs. Was we became the the kind of the individuals and the group that had the target set on us. It started in 2010 with the whole anti-Sharia state question 755 stuff that was going on. But when John Bennett started just hitting us, you know, straight on and saying, you know, calling us terrorists, he called me a terrorist. I I was going
0: to ask you if you could tell that story and be there that day.
2: All right. So- so so John Bennett he he just hated Islam. He even said that he wanted to file legislation to ban Islam from Oklahoma, which you can't do. I mean it's a constitutional violation, right? The first amendment protects us from that. But in 2016, he put together this interim study that was approved by whoever the Speaker of the House was at that time. So it got funded by taxpayer dollars to study Islamic radical terrorism. So we are like, oh boy, here, we know what's going to happen, right? We, we kind of could see the writing on the wall. So we decided to show up. When I say we, I mean me and at the time my team of two people. So we're three of us from Cairo, Oklahoma. Imam uh, Imad Nshasi from the Islamic Society of Greater Oklahoma City, he joined us and many of our friends from from uh, the Oklahoma Conference of Churches, from uh, the Jewish temple, Temple B'nai Israel, and other places. They joined us in solidarity. We sat there for three hours as former Representative John Bennett just attacked the Muslim community left and right. He claimed such outlandish things like all Islamic centers and mosques are jihadi terror training camps. And, you know, we're going to... wage global jihad and sharia is going to take over oklahoma and all these buzzwords that sound really hateful and negative but have no basis at all in reality and after three hours of listening to this guy just attack us left and right we just sat there quietly took notes and didn't say anything he looks at us because he wanted to get under our skin so he looks at me and imam and Chassi, and he said i just want noted for the record that i have the two biggest terrorists in the state of oklahoma sitting with us here today my jaw dropped to the floor. Yeah, Because I was still, even though I had been about four years in with K.O., Oklahoma, I was still struggling to accept that this is what we were dealing with, right? This this outright hate and animosity. My jaw dropped to the floor. Imam Chassi has a little bit more experience than me. He grew up in a <laughs> refugee camp in Lebanon. So, you know, being a Palestinian refugee, he's been through this before. So he has a, a, a bit of a, we call it imam jokes, you know, not like dad jokes, but imam jokes. So he looks at me with a very serious face as I'm in shock. And he says, um, who's number one and who's number two? <laughs> and I was like, immediately, I'm like, well, you can be number one because right. you're older than me. So out of respect, I'll let you have that title. I'll take number two. And so that was kind of how we became infamous, if you will, you know. But it it's it really speaks to, Why we felt it was so important to get involved with the legislator, to track bills, to understand what was going on, to build relationships. And that's really what our events like our Muslim Day at the Capitol are all about. We're not up there to lobby for a specific issue. We're not there, spe- e- even at times, not to advocate for one thing in particular, except for acceptance, awareness, and better understanding of the Islamic faith. So, I I have not been to a Muslim day
1: yet myself. I want to go. What is what is that experience like now? When you're there, when you have when Kara's there, and you have your volunteers and your friend, like what what is it like? today and 2023 i guess you don't know yet you haven't had it yet but we did have actually has, has, uh happened? monday, monday. Just oh, okay monday. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so what 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 is that experience like now compared to 10 years ago five years ago when you know i mean john bennett is not there mm, anymore mm, mm. um he's hardly the only um unfriendly person in the legislature <laughs> i think what's what is that experience like for you now
2: In 2015, it was the last Friday in February of 2015, and uh, now I'm not afraid to say it, but early on, you know, I was shy to admit that we were so ignorant about the legislator and how the legislator worked, we just knew we had to get involved and engage with people that we planned our first Muslim Day at the Capitol on a Friday, not knowing that the legislators weren't there on a Friday. But thankfully, we had built some relationships with people like um, uh, former Senator John Sparks, Uh, former representative Mike Shelton and several others who showed up as guests and spoke on panels and things of that nature. So we weren't completely without that interaction. But our first Muslim day at the Capitol in 2015, we had about three dozen protesters show up. And, I mean, they stood in the South Plaza. They actually reserved it so they could legally be there. And they held hateful signs, something. One of them said something along the lines like, the only good Muslim is a dead Muslim. Um, There was another one that said, like, uh, hell has a pressure cooker for – every Muslim or something like I was like crazy stuff. And they would just shout hateful things. One of them even went so far as to spit on a young high school girl who was attending from a school in Tulsa who rode down here to attend the Muslim Day at the Capitol. So the first one was like just this intense, chaotic scene and experience. I remember the Oklahoma State Troopers or Highway Patrol, you know, they showed up with extra guards and stuff like that. and They were like surrounding us at the Capitol for our protection. But it was surreal because it was like all these people in body armor, assault guns, and I didn't feel like I was in America. Like it felt like I was somewhere else entirely. So from that first year and those first few years, there was a lot of tension, a lot of uh, apprehension about being there, but also wanting to be there because we knew how important what it was. What's happened is that in the last few years, and I told this to my community this year, don't think that we're not on the minds of legislators. Don't think that they're not still thinking about us as they're thinking about targeting all minority groups with bad legislation. It's just that right now we are not their main target. Last year, we've got the debates about abortion, right? That became a topic of concern. Uh, Critical race theory was a big issue this year. They're looking at trans rights and other things. So Muslims are not as high on the list. But our time will come back again. And so that's why I tell people, just because you don't see all this you know, controversy in the news about protesters and this and that and John Bennett doesn't mean you have to show up. In fact, now you have to show up more than ever. So that way people know who we are and we can be proactive. So to answer your question, all that uh, craziness is gone, but still the importance of the day is there. This was the first year we've ever not had protesters, like not a single one. So, you know, they've given up, but we're not going to give up. And so next year will be our big 10 anniversary, Muslim Day at the Capitol. We're happy about that. And what's even makes me even more happy is I had a call from the Sikh community. We have a Sikh community here in Oklahoma. We have a Gurdwara, which is their house of worship. And they hope to establish their first Sikh day at the Capitol here and coming up, I think in April. So that's super exciting. Yeah. I'm I'm just happy to see more representation at the Capitol, which is exactly what we need.
0: That's really exciting. It it was uh, so I've had the privilege of attending the last two or three um, Muslim days at Capitol and, and speaking. I spoke on a panel uh, about voting this week, and you know last even last year there were some protesters. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of folks probably have seen the picture of the governor with his finger in the chest of Representative Forrest Bennett <laughs> and, like, yelling about something. And um, not that was nothing to do with the Muslim community that was there. Yeah. Um, but it happened at the day at right, the Capitol. <laughs> right, which is, as an event organizer, can be frustrating sometimes, yeah. right? Um, but it's always a really dynamic day. And I appreciated your words this week, Adam, um, when you were kind of speaking to the, the audience there after um, Kendra Horn gave mm-hmm. her keynote, where you said what you just said there that just because you know maybe the word Muslim or Islam is not mm-hmm. being used in legislation doesn't mean it's not about you, right? To the audience, um, because w- what what you what Care advocates for is not just religious freedom, but mm-hmm. it is for policies. That affect your community in Mm -hmm. the same way that any of us advocate for policies that affect our community. Mm -hmm. So whether it's tax policy, uh, whether it's how we, you know, in some cases criminalize poverty, it's Mm. it's you know how we uh, attack marginalized communities. All of these things affect um, all Oklahomans and affect the Muslim community. And you Mm. have this unique, you know, or this specific constituency that you are representing. Um, But I felt like those words really at least with me, it really resonated um, to hear someone from a group that has in very recent history been um, not just marginalized but, like, mm. openly attacked by members of the of the uh, uh, legislature to have you be there, I think, takes some courage. Mm. Oh, it takes a lot of courage, especially given, you know, the the early days. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it took – like, we've hosted a number of Capitol days and I've never had a protester, right? Mm. There's always – friendly folks that came maybe even some republicans came and hung mm-hmm. out um and but to imagine that you've had protesters at 8 of the 9 in mm-hmm. a row mm-hmm. that just don't want you to be there even though you have the same constitutional right to be there that they do yeah. it takes a lot of courage and i appreciate you for showing up
2: thank you thank you and it's it's you know i think for the listeners out there we have to point out the irony in what the protesters are there for because they say they're there to defend America as a country, but yet we're there uh, carrying out our rights as American citizens, our rights to assemble, our rights to petition the government, our rights to religious freedom. And so I think as Muslims who show up to the Capitol year over year, not just at the Capitol day, but to you know meet with our legislators and to talk to them and get to know them, we're actually carrying out our civic duty as American citizen, citizens more so than many of those protesters who probably aren't actually engaging in the way they should be. So, you know, I'm really proud of my community that's continued to show up and I'm excited to see what the future holds, you know, and I hope as we move on, we will see this trend of more Muslims getting involved with politics as we've seen around the country.
1: Yeah. So Representative Maury Turner is mm-hmm. in the legislature now, and I believe that... They are the first Muslim ever elected to the, Correct. the state legislature. Um, what What is it like working with them and having a person in the legislature mm-hmm. um, who's a member of the Muslim community?
2: Representative Turner is amazing. Um, they're doing great work. Um, they're, they're representing not just the Muslim community, but multiple communities. And I think that's something that we should all applaud. It takes, I mean, you talk about courage that takes a lot of courage to really share with the world who you are and what you represent and your willingness to put that on public display so that you can better represent the diversity of your district and of all Oklahomans. Um, for me, it's, a beautiful thing because it gives us someone in the legislative body that understands what we're going through, what we've been through as Muslims in this country, and can speak to that. In addition to all the other, uh, you know, um, experiences that Representative Turner has, and I hope that this will be an inspiration not just for Muslims to continue to be involved in politics, because now we see, like I saw. Uh, Care Georgia had their Muslim Day at the Capitol, I think, a few days after ours, and they've got now four Muslim elected officials serving in the legislature. Ohio has quite a few as well, Minnesota and so on and so forth. So I'm hoping this will be an inspiration not just to Muslims, but to young black men and women and to others who are, are feeling that there's not a place for them at the state capitol because the truth of the matter is when you look at those booklets or if you scroll online they used to give those booklets out at the capitol yeah. with the house and send, i don't know if they still do with all the pictures and i used to show people i mean look at this what do you see and i'm like what you see is one skin tone mainly right, right. and it used to be almost strictly one skin tone in fact you can go through the halls of the Capitol and see when oh here comes one person of color pop up right two then three but that's the thing is that we're still dominated by this very homogeneous attitude and we need to see more diversity of thought and experience at the Capitol if we want anything to change for the better yeah that's exactly right it's i mean i think for
0: i won't say for a lot of people but certainly for some members of the legislature the idea that their perspective is not the only perspective seems like a difficult reality to accept right mm-hmm. like that they um, in many cases maybe have just grown up with the understanding or the expectation that that there's only one way to see the world mm. that there's only one side to a story um, and some of the battles that we see right now at the state capitol around. Uh, even just American history, right? Mm-hmm. That that I think most of us, especially younger folks, um, but I think most people recognize that there is more than one side to, or more than one perspective on, on mm-hmm. our history, and not just history, but on present day, right? I remember as, oh, probably eighth grade in my history book, the, there was a little chart that listed all of the the notable wars in American history Mm. or that had happened in the last, you know, 200 years. And it had the name of those wars that we learn. Mm. And then it had the name of those wars in other countries, right? So the American Revolution... Is known as King George's War in England, right? Mm-hmm. Because of course, it is. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. but even you know what we might call the the Spanish American War. The all these wars had uh, have other names depending on who wrote the book about them. Mm-hmm. And I remember you know being fourteen and thinking, "Wait a second! Well, this is a even how we title a like how come we don't agree what the name of the war is?" <laughs> and it's because. Um, there's more than one side to, right. to some of these stories. Well, I mean, even
1: in different parts of the United States, there's like different names for conflicts, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think we all know what we mean when we say the Civil War, but there are parts of America where that is not what they call
0: it. Right. Right. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, um, you know, I, and it is – I think your point is well taken that that it's – that that many of them seem like they they can't understand that there is more than one perspective – I actually think that's giving them a little bit too much credit. I think that they, I think that they, I think they know that there's more than one perspective, um, and they recognize, or or they at least their their belief is that acknowledging other perspectives is threatening, right? Mm-hmm. Because if we acknowledge another person's expect uh, perspective, then that means they deserve to have a seat at the table, and if they deserve mm-hmm. to have a seat at the table, then that means this whole pie isn't just for me and mm-hmm. my and my group right? Yeah, right and 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 so it's it is challenging i mean i think it is i think it's at the surface level it's it's a challenging of you know the stories that we were told growing up or the stories that we tell ourselves but the deeper level is acknowledging that if that story isn't true mm. then or at least isn't the whole truth then maybe maybe some of what i have whether that's wealth or status or power Etc. Maybe that isn't all mine, mm. right? Right. And mm. and 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 I think that that um, I think that's more in play sometimes than we want to admit. And, so, and and I think I do think sometimes it's it's not conscious, you know. Sure. Like I think it's not. I don't know that there is like a direct link, but I think that's why sometimes these things seem so. Threatening, does that make sense to yeah. to 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 the people that are scared of them?
0: Mm. Yeah. Mm. No, and I I this week I've been thinking a lot about different perspectives. I think this probably started honestly Monday at, at Muslim Day at the Capitol, but throughout the week thinking about um, not just in the the big bucket terms that we usually think of of mm. different religions or different races, but even the smaller or maybe. Maybe not smaller but less <clears throat> less frequently um claimed allegiances right so um urban rule divide right that mm. the, the <clears throat> I think uh you know Scott and I and Adam you two like live here in the metro yeah. right yeah. and so we have our perspective of life in a mid-sized urban city mm. um and that is very different than like my friends who live in small town right Oklahoma right. and that is I think too often we diminish or discount the experience of the mm. other, mm. right? And this, I think this goes back to our overarching conversation here of what you said that just because laws might be passed without identifying Muslims as a group, it right. doesn't mean they're not discriminatory against Muslims and other people. That that often we see the legislature propose and even advocate for bills mm. That, that are directed at just the, the other, right mm-hmm. whether it's Muslims, whether it's um, you know people of color, whether it's um, transgender folks, whether right. it's whatever, um, poor people in general. Yeah. and I and I think that othering to make mm-hmm. it into a verb is really detrimental to the fabric of our society.
2: 100%. You know that's that, that was my biggest and that is still my biggest concern over this whole critical race theory nonsense you know that was a way for the legislator to say we want to preserve the status quo that's all it was yep. we don't want to have our children talking about the tulsa race massacre look if you've been to greenwood rising have either of you been to greenwood rising i've not gotten to go yet. yeah i've been to the cultural center but not okay. to the new one yeah. it is a must visit i've been there i think about four times since it opened it's only been open i think a year and a half yeah and it is a must visit and you get to a room that's called the Ark of Oppression. There's a warning before you walk in because it is intense emotionally, but you you know, if you spend time reading through each section in that room, you hear about the real um, the real uh, experiences. Of black people in this country from slavery, they have actually the shackles they showed, the whips, um, the picture of a back of somebody who was whipped. Uh, You know, then they have the pictures of the KKK. They have books about the sundown towns and all these things. The most impactful thing in that room is a picture of a black young black man and his mother hanging from a bridge with white people on the top of the bridge smiling and posing for a picture. That is a part of American history. That happened just about a hundred years ago in this country, and yeah. you can look this up on the internet. I found pictures in Minnesota of white supremacists standing around trees, smiling, posing for pictures, while black men hang dead, you know, in a noose. And so, this is part of our recent history, and we have to learn from it so that we can become better people. Education is about creating people that will be better citizens of our country. But if we're only teaching them a very selective, you know, education that is controlled by the legislator, we're doing them no favors. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the basketball player, he wrote a book. I'm not going to remember the name of it off the top of my head. I think it's called Writings on the Wall. He's written a couple of books. And in the introduction of that book, he talks about what he would have been had he not been a basketball player. And he says a history teacher and people ask him well why a history teacher he said because the past is a blueprint for how we can live our future you know and i think that's the thing is that we are creating an environment where we're destroying the opportunity that children have to want to know more about where we've been as a country and how we can avoid the pitfalls and the danger of falling into things like racism and segregation and just hate and build something better off that. So if they don't learn about that, they're susceptible to those same societal ills. So, yeah, we've got a lot of issues. And I honestly, I've run out of words to say about (laughs) what's happening at the Capitol these days. What I try to focus on, and and maybe this is a piece of advice for people listening, is what good can I do? Because there's just so much bad stuff happening out there, and it seems like the legislature is getting worse year over year over year. And if you focus on the negative, you're just going to feel like there's no hope in the future. You're going to feel like the odds are stacked against not just you but everyone in Oklahoma. So I think we focus on how can we just keep chipping away? and building something better and eventually i think we will break through all of this nonsense yeah
0: you know a, a conversation that i have often with some of our partner organizations that we work with frequently is about not just how do we respond or react to mm. the bad stuff but how do we do what you just said how do we build towards mm-hmm. a more perfect union so for care as an advocacy organization yeah um, Obviously, you're going to step in to push back against bad legislation sure. or things that would be harmful to your community or to the community at large. Mm. Um, are there also some policies that you are promoting that mm-hmm. are go- – we'll say good policies, things you're trying to promote is like this is good policy we should yeah. move towards?
2: yeah. So definitely we are focusing on a few uh, topics, a few issue areas that we hope we can work with legislators in the near future to explore how legislation can be authored to you know, basically enhance the quality of life for all Oklahomans. One is better protection for religious freedom and in particular protect, protection for religious centers. So there's no uh, – there's nothing on the books that categorizes an attack on a in a religious institution specifically as a hate crime. It can be vandalism or whatnot. So better protection for religious institutions is definitely high up on the list. We also would like to see better voter rights uh, because, you know, things like same-day registration, uh, better access to mail-in voting and whatnot is actually a benefit not just to the Muslim community but all minority communities that feel their safety is not even – it is threatened. is not is not protected when they go to the polls. You know, voter intimidation is very real or feeling that people are staring at you or judging you because you wear the hijab or you have a beard or whatnot is, is, is a very real thing for a lot of people. So we're looking at those things. And one thing we like to see in terms of policy on a municipal as well as a state level is more recognition for things like the holy month of Ramadan and the Eid holidays. We're not quite there yet. It takes a lot of work. And, and it seems like you know, the reactive stuff crops up too often. But we've seen this pattern across the U.S. where in places like California, uh, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, where there's stronger Muslim populations, they're getting recognition in the schooling system for these holidays. And that's just to benefit the students and maybe the teachers and faculty that work in these institutions. So we're hoping to make strides in those areas. It takes a lot of work. You know, we're a small nonprofit. We have one individual who works specifically in the area of government affairs and advocacy and you know it it just takes baby steps to get to where we want to be but we feel like we're getting to the point where some of these things may become a reality in the near future
1: yeah do you do you have i would i would imagine (laughs) that many of your legislative uh partners you get from the from the left side of the aisle. Mm. Um, do you have legislative partners in the Republican caucus yep. in either house? I mean, do you have do you have relationships on that oh, yeah. side of the aisle as well, and that people uh, who are uh, supportive of care that are supportive mm-hmm. of your goals? And because um, I mean, let's just be honest, right now in the in the, in the Oklahoma <laughs> legislature, if you want to build a pass, it helps to have a Republican co author, right, right? right? So, right. Um, do you do you have folks that are mm-hmm. that are helping um, you achieve achieve your goals from the Republican side as well.
2: Yeah. So we actually realized that was one of our weak points years ago is that we naturally gravitated towards working with Democrats because Democrats weren't calling us terrorists, right? So I mean it's crazy how that works. Yeah. And you know, and and, and for a while there we didn't want to even talk to Republicans. Why? It wasn't because We didn't really even know all the Republican legislators, but we had John Bennett, who was a Republican, attacking us. Mary Fallin, Republican governor, refused to say anything. Speaker of the House Republican, refused to say anything. And the head of the Republican Party, and I forgot his name years ago, but he was on the news actually defending John Bennett's right to free speech, in quotes, right, Right. for attacking our community. And on top of that, he doubled down and he's like, yeah, he has a right to say what he wants about Islam and Muslims because Islam was spread by the sword. I'm like, dude, what? I mean, is it cream cheese? Are we talking about, (laughs) you know, putting something on your bagel here? You know, we didn't. Anyways, long story short, we realized that was our weak point. So we started to intentionally build relationships with Republicans because the reality is, if you were to ask me, what are Muslims? Politically, they're both Democrats and Republicans. Sure, sure. sure. Very diverse community. I have some very, very strong uh, Republican Muslims who are very emotional and passionate about issues Relates to the Republican Party. I have some Muslims who even voted for Trump, even though I disagree with that. You know, I and from a policy standpoint, right. you know, it's like, hey, he literally said in his campaign speech. He wants to like close down every mosque and right. ban Islam from this country. Like, why would you vote for him? But anyways, I digress. <laughs> the point is, we said we need to build relationships with Republicans. How are we going to do that? We started by saying. I'm your constituent. I want to get to know you. And that's exactly what we did. So or I started with myself. I got to know Senator Greg Treat. I got to know Representative Nicole Miller when she was my representative. I moved. Now my representative is Denise Cross White-Hader. haven't had the pleasure of sitting down with her yet. But I recently met up again with Greg Treat, Senator Greg Treat. I try to meet with him every year. And from the very get-go, I said, look, we're not going to agree. I'm a Democrat. You're a Republican. I'm Muslim. I understand you're a Senate pro tem. You know, you dealing with all these issues. we're going to have some disagreements. But I just want to hear what you have to say. I want you to hear what I have to say. And let's agree to disagree. And let's see how we can work together. And so we have built relationships with Republicans over the years. They've started coming out to our events. They've spoken at our Muslim Day at the Capitol. Um, And so, you know, it's been great getting to know more people outside of just the small Democratic caucus, because it's small. And Republicans, some of these Republican legislators I think can become very strong advocates for Muslims as well as other minority communities. However, they have to be willing to stand up to the strong Republican block that we have here in Oklahoma and that's not easy. That's not easy to do.
1: Well, I mean, go ahead. You're just Oh, man, I we could we could go on this all day because that is my you know, I gripe and moan about the r's on the podcast a lot but honestly if you my biggest frustration with the republican caucus in oklahoma um is that i know i mean i know personally Mm. several of them who i know to be good people who Mm -hmm. are really trying to do what they feel like is the best thing for oklahoma and they're doing good work Mm -hmm. right like there are there are some really good things happening but these bills come up about critical race theory and they come up about you know attacking transgendered persons they come up about you know um you know censuring representative turner they and then and they just vote right in block Mm -hmm. because they are so worried about a primary or they're so worried about getting lit up by Mm -hmm. someone in their own caucus and it's just It's just so disheartening Mm -hmm. because what it says to me is there's nothing – there is nothing worth taking a stand on because it might jeopardize my ability to do these other things. Right. right. And and while I get intellectually the political reality of that, Mm. it is just, I think, um, very disheartening to people that otherwise – Want to support you and yeah. want to try and build more, uh, um, more more positive relationships, mm. you know, a, a, across the legislature. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Does that make sense? No. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. I mean, case in point, Representative John Tally, great person. Got to know him individually over the years. He came to the Islamic Society of Stillwater, he even authored co-authored this amazing legislation that didn't make it through about protecting you know special needs kids from from corporal punishment in schools but you know still you've got amazing people like that and that's a whole different topic we're we gonna <laughs> get, get into that today but the point is you have amazing people like that but then if they're gonna vote for things that are detrimental to minority groups and i don't know representative Talley's voting record i have to look it up to see it's it's not going to help Move us in the right direction, and we need to have people who are willing, not just to speak truth, truth to power, but in the words of my friend Senator George Young, who I think is just an amazing human being in general. Fact, <laughs> he said we have to have the courage to speak truth to ignorance, and I think that's what we're we're suffering from in Oklahoma. We don't have the pil- the people willing to speak up against ignorance and ignorance is running rampant at the legislature as it has been for decades now.
0: Yeah. There's that, that quote from uh, author Ralph Waldo Emerson, right? That uh, mm-hmm. who you are speaks so loudly. I cannot hear what you say. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot, um, particularly with the legislature, right? Where people will tell you individually, privately, mm-hmm. Oh, you know, I'm for your deal or I don't like this. I don't like how they're doing that. But then they go vote. And it's like, mm-hmm. listen, man, like, I, I wanted to believe you, and yet you did the one thing you could do to prove it wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there should be a little more uh, a little more proof in the pudding, as they say. <laughs>
2: yes, indeed. I agree with that. I agree with that.
0: Um, well, we mentioned uh, Ramadan as one of the holidays a few minutes ago, and that is coming up next week. Yes. Um, and I know CARE uh, does an annual iftar with elected officials. Mm-hmm. Could you tell us a little bit about that? And, and feel free to tell us about Ramadan, because I'm sure most of our listeners <laughs> may not be super familiar
2: the holy month of Ramadan, uh, you know, I oftentimes ask people when I speak about this in public, like when is Ramadan? And I get different answers thrown out. I'm like, ah, trick question, <laughs> it changes every year. So uh, Islam follows a lunar calendar and thus the month of Ramadan moves back 11 days a year. So when I was 17 and I first started practicing Islam, Ramadan was in December. I was like, man, this is a piece of cake. Days are short, you know, it's not too bad. It's not hot outside. <laughs> now, you know, it's getting better, but those summer months, whew, those were killer, you know, Those were a little long days, very hot, but it's no food, no drink, from sunup to sundown. People say not even water. I'm like, I did say no drink, right? Yeah, no, no water, no nothing, right, that goes into your body. Now, there are exceptions. If you're sick, if you're traveling, if you're pregnant, you don't have to fast. The point of the fasting is not, it's not like a diet. It's not to punish yourself, but rather it's to spend your time and your energy focusing on the blessings God has given you because you'd be amazed how much you realize how privileged we are and how much we live in abundance when you just sacrifice for one day, let alone 30 days. And to spend more time focused on reading scripture and praying and connecting with God. So that's what the holy month of Ramadan is about. 1.8 billion Muslims in the world, the second largest religion, partake in this this practice. Now, during the month, we have several events. Um, They can be seen on our website, careoklahoma, C-A-I-R, careoklahoma.com forward slash Ramadan. We created a Ramadan hub for the first time, so super (laughs) excited. Yeah, excited about that. Our, our most popular event is the Ramadan Iftar with elected officials coming up on March 31st at the Oklahoma History Center. Anyone can come. Uh, I forget how much tickets are, but they're available on our website. And it's an opportunity for people to experience a Ramadan Iftar, which is basically a meal after sunset catered by a local Muslim-owned restaurant, family-owned amazing food of the Palestinian Jordanian persuasion, if you will. And we often get at least two, three dozen elected officials that come out as their schedule allows. Uh, Back in 2019, before COVID, uh, Congresswoman Kendra Horn was our keynote speaker. So that was super awesome. Last year, Mayor David Holt was our keynote speaker. And this year, we haven't quite finalized the program. So to be determined, but it's an amazing opportunity to engage with Muslims, to engage with elected officials. And it's just one of those feel-good events that you really need every year. And it's ironic that now it's during legislative session. Right. And a lot of legislators say how much that evening is just a relief from everything <laughs> they're going <laughs> through. So everyone's welcome to come say, out. Like, can, can anybody come? Because and, yeah. that sounds awesome. <laughs> Anyone can come. You go to com, register. I think it's like $50 or whatnot for the ticket. And come join us. So, it's a wonderful evening. Personal question.
1: Yes. So you're fasting, Ramadan. Yes. Evening comes.
2: Yeah. Time to break fast. All right. What are you breaking fast with? (laughs) So I'm experienced. I've been doing this for a while. (laughs) So I tell you, the inexperienced person is going to break their fast on something far too heavy for them to feel good after they eat. So if you're going to, like, you know, throw down on a cheeseburger and fries, not a good idea. That's going to upset your stomach. I've learned the best thing is to eat something healthy. So I usually like to have maybe a bowl of soup, um, some salad, some hummus and pita bread or pita chips, something light. Boiled eggs are really good just to kind of get you feeling better, get the nutrition back in your system. Prime the pump a little bit. That's it. And then after an hour or two, if you feel hungry, eat a little snack fruit vegetables again something healthy fried foods are your enemy during Ramadan you know okay. heavy foods are your enemy during Ramadan so you don't want to go to Golden Corral or the <laughs> Chinese buffet or whatnot and just you know that's that's a big mistake you know so that's what I try to do everyone's different but that's my method and then in the mornings you know some people wake up and have a meal before sunrise I'm just I'm not a morning person i I've never eaten breakfast like in the last 20, 30 years. So I wake up, I down at least, i say, 40, 60 ounces of water every morning just to stay hydrated, wow, yeah. and then I just go about my day. I just I just try to stay busy, productive, focused throughout the morning and early afternoon, and then spend the rest of my day maybe reading some scripture, praying, stuff like that. Sure.
0: That's funny. So I grew up uh, Nazarene, mm. with the Southern Nazarene. I'm a, I'm a Nazmin now. But uh, when I was in college, we – I I honestly grew up not really knowing about the Lenten season in the Christian faith, right? Mm. Until I came to college and got a little more exposure. And so my freshman year, several of us were like, we're going to do a Lenten fast. Growing up, I guess that was a Catholic thing, not a Protestant thing. But so we did it and we tried to follow the diet of John the Baptist, Mm. excluding locusts. And so we Mm. just used like uh, fruit, nuts, um, I forget forget all the things, vegetables, things that occur in nature. And basically, been a lot of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Mm. And then um, there's two ways to do the Lenten fast, where so you weren't went, fasting; you were just eating like a college student. <laughs> you're just eating <laughs> PB, yeah. You're just eating PB and j all day. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, that's fair. No, no pizza in the uh, in the commons. But we there's two ways to do it. You can either break your fast on on Sundays or on the Sabbath mm. during the Lenten season, and then you go all the way to Easter. Or you do it seven days a week, and you stop on Good friday or on Mm. palm sunday Mm. and so we were i guess doing the the first one there and so every every sunday um there was like four or five of us that would do it Mm. and so at midnight saturday we would always be in line (laughs) at like taco bell to (laughs) to break our fast with taco bell and to your point adam it was a terrible idea the opposite of what adam yes exactly the opposite
2: (laughs) well taco bell is a bad idea generally speaking yeah (laughs) right yeah and
0: what's what's funny is I mean, I was, you know, 18 at the time, 19, I guess. And I realized that during Lent, we missed church Mm. almost every Sunday because Mm. we were either like at brunch or someone (laughs) felt sick from the Taco Bell at midnight. (laughs) And I remember towards the end of of the Lenten season thinking this was a terrible way to grow closer to God. Like it was (laughs) the exact opposite. We ate worse. We didn't go to church. Um, and so that was the last year we did that. Um, Well, that's exciting. Uh, For listeners, if you are interested in attending um, CARE Oklahoma's Iftar, we will put a link to the registration in the show notes to make it easy for you. You can just click through on your podcast app or on Spotify, whatever you're listening to, and you'll find that direct link there. Adam Sultani from CARE, thanks so much for being with us today.
2: Thank you for having me. Love the podcast and Everyone, share it with your friends. Let's let's get more listeners learning about the important aspects of how we can advocate for a better state and a better country. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, love it. Appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Thanks for coming in. All right, thank you so much.
0: All right, listeners, that brings us to the end of the episode. Scott, thanks for being here as well, sir. Always, Uh, listeners, uh, thank you for being here as well. There are uh, roughly, you know, two and a half months left in the legislative session. Spring break is over. It's time to get back to work. The next deadline's about a week away. Um, I know we've taken a couple of weeks where we haven't really given much updates in the way of the legislative session. Um, and That's been on purpose. But next week, we'll be back. We're going to talk more about what's happening and where we're at in the legislative calendar uh, and what you should be paying attention to and how you should be involved for the rest of the spring. As a reminder, there is an election on April 4th. That is a Tuesday, April 4th. That is uh, a... Election in almost every county, many cities, and Oklahoma County. Um, county uh, clerk is up. That's a very big election. More details about that coming soon. Remember, decisions are made by those who show up. See you next week.